0: Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side by side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Uh, make a way for you to be here this morning. Uh, so you've already encouraged me to see your faces this morning. I'm thankful uh, that God answered the pr- our prayers and brought you to worship with us uh, this morning. Uh, this passage that you just heard and that will be in this morning, again, Revelation 3, 14 through 22, if you haven't turned there already, uh, at least in my estimation, it's one of those passages that uh, gives us a bit of a gut check. It's reminiscent of that well-known passage in the Gospel of Matthew where Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ says on the last day some of you will say to me Lord, Lord, but he will say depart from me for I never knew you. You've heard the language already and we're going to talk about it this morning. Uh, This idea that they're neither hot nor cold, they're lukewarm and the Lord is is saying that I will spit you out of my mouth. That this church in Laodicea is actually, according to this imagery that the Lord Jesus Christ is giving us, uh, is making him nauseous. One of my favorite depictions of uh, being nauseous uh, comes from uh, the great film, The Sandlot. Anybody ever see The Sandlot? Uh, if you're wondering, that's probably my favorite film of all time, just to uh, give you the depth of my uh, cinematic uh, knowledge there. Uh, one of my favorite scenes of that movie, perhaps you remember it, uh, the the boys from The Sandlot uh, beat... Uh, What would be equivalent to today is some sort of travel ball team. They have the uniforms, they have the playground and all of this. And so they beat them in order to celebrate their wonderful victory. Uh, they go to this uh, amusement park type of place. Do you remember this? And do you remember what happens in that scene? They're celebrating uh, this great victory that they've just enjoyed of how strong they are, how wonderful they are. And one of the guys thinks he's uh, going to be wise, and he pulls out a bag of uh, tobacco, chewing tobacco. Do you remember this? And so here these young boys start chewing on this tobacco and they get on this tilt-a-whirl type thing and all of a sudden they start turning green and just start vomiting everywhere. Do you remember this? Everybody, it's it's disgusting if you ever see the scene, um, that uh, they just start vomiting everywhere. They become nauseous in what they've put in their mouth. There is no choice but to spit it out of their mouth along with everybody around them. All of that to say, that's what I have in mind when I think of the Lord saying, you nauseate me, and I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. What they thought would make them enjoy their night in their self-sufficiency and their right to join manhood. By the way, I don't think manhood is chewing tobacco, by the way, so just so you know, um, to be clear about that. Um, just something that they thought they would enjoy. All of a sudden, they realized that they had judged inappropriately and they found themselves sick. So it goes with this church in Laodicea. They had judged themselves inappropriately, thought they were well, thought they were strong enough, rich enough, prospering enough that they needed nothing, that they could show themselves. But we get this shocking picture here that the church in Laodicea actually nauseates the Lord to the point that he wants to spit them out. What they are offering the Lord or what they think they're offering the Lord Makes them sick, and he is about to spit them out. They are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. Now, to be clear, before we get and talk about the the Church of see, I always find that uh, the work of Jonathan Edwards helps us out a little bit. I've maybe talked about this before. He talks about, he was a, a preacher that uh, uh, preached during the Great Awakening. Uh, R.C. Sproul wrote a great book about this called The Spirit Revival, along with another guy. Uh, so that's a great resource to kind of get the fuller picture of what I'm talking about here. But he, Jonathan Edwards talks about true signs of a spirit revival, or being on fire for the Lord, or being high for the Lord uh, to use the language of this passage. And, and he says, being on fire, uh, using my language here, isn't directly tied to bodily effects or emotional responses. Some of the most on fire people for the Lord might be introverts and kind of quiet about what the Lord is doing in, in, in their lives. And, and, and it's, it's not on fire being receiving some sort of personal revelation that God gave me a word for you or anything like that. So, so understand, we're talking about being being hot for the Lord, on fire for the Lord. Might not necessarily look like uh, emotional. It might be, but not not necessarily. So so don't think that's what we're talking about. We're gonna we're gonna see what the Lord says. What, what does it look like to have this 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 hotness, this uh, on fireness for the Lord? This church in Lydda to see is self deceived. We need to ask ourselves. Let me you go ahead and give you kind of a, a big question to ask. A, a big question to ask throughout. This morning, are, are you self deceived by outward signs or are you humbly seeing yourself as Christ sees you? All right, let's talk about the city, the city of Laodicea. I've kind of given you a picture of all of these cities, and it's helpful because we see that these churches struggle uh, in so much as that they start looking like their cities. It's clear in Scripture that we're to be in the world and not of the world. That's what we're called to, that that in order to function in our society, there's, there's a certain way that we, that we need to, to look in, in order to function in the place that God has put us. But we've seen one of the big struggles in all of these churches is that they start taking on... The, 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 look of the city. So let me tell you a bit about the city of Laodicea. It's bringing us to the, to the end of the road, if you will, of, of, uh, the Lord's trip around Asia Minor and addressing these churches. So this is the, the seventh churches. If you're going around modern day Turkey, this is kind of the last one on that route. Laodicea was part of a cluster of three cities in the Lycus Valley. If you look at a Bible, you can, or map, you can see this. The two other cities were Colossae, which you've probably heard about. That's the, the letter to the Colossians. Uh, that was one of the cities kind of in their vicinity there in the Lycus Valley. So you had Laodicea, Colossae, and Heropolis. The city, Laodicea, as in, this, in this area, was a well-protected city naturally. But its only source of fragility was its water source. It had to pipe water, and its local water source was muddy and undrinkable and nauseating. If you put it in your mouth, it's that type of water that you might want to spit out. Water had to be brought in via aqueducts, and it could easily be blocked off by enemies. So that was part of their fragility, that enemies could block off their water source and kind of dry out that city if they ever were to attack it. But additionally, the water that arrived in Laodicea arrived neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. If it was coming from Heropolis, Heropolis had some hot springs, some medicinal springs that they used that warm water for. And by the way, when that water would make its way to Laodicea, by the time it got there, that hot water had become lukewarm. Colossae had a cold water source, a very refreshing cold water source, When that water made its way to Laodicea along the aqueducts, by the time this cold water got there, you may have guessed it that that water was neither hot nor cold, but it was lukewarm. And so Laodicea was strategically located along the road system at the time, making some other things about Laodicea. It was a place of commerce, a place of finance and banking, and even medicine, and the city at this time had enjoyed a long time of peace, so it was a very prosperous city. It was famous for its production of black wool that was used as a textile and clothing and carpets. And I told you it was a medicinal place. It was also famous for its eye salve. Maybe you have starting to see some connection here, why the Lord is kind of... Saying these things about Laodicea, it was famous for producing this eye salve that was exported widely in the region. So it was a well-located city. Water was an issue for the city, probably the only issue they had. They had money. They had this black wool that they were known for. They had this eye salve that they were open for, So that, known for. So the city was famous for its textile, wealth, medicine. And another thing about this city, they knew it. They knew they had wealth, they knew they were rich, they knew they were prosperous, and they knew that they didn't really need anything. So much so, get this. In '8060, Laodicea, like um, other cities in the region at the time that I've told you about, experienced an earthquake. They were so rich, can you imagine you might understand this with natural disasters that we deal with that they rejected government assistance. Can you imagine? They say, we are so wealthy, governments that we don't need what you're offering. We'll rebuild our city ourselves with our own wealth that we already have. And so we need nothing. So as you can imagine, this city of Laodicea, if we could describe it maybe in one word, was they were self-assured. Maybe you can describe it like this. Here are some other ways to describe it. Self-assured is a big one, and that's kind of the one way I think I could describe the city They were self-supporting, so they lacked nothing. They were self-sufficient. They were capable of so much, and they were self-fulfilled. They desired and wanted nothing because they had so much. Maybe you could say it's not much different from many cultures that we see in our own society even today. So that's, we're not even talking about the church now, mind you, but perhaps you've already seen it as I read the text earlier, that the church is struggling with the same thing. But first, where do we need to get our eyes? on Christ. First, we need to get our eyes on Christ. So the Lord speaks to this city. Look at verse 14. Now that you know a little bit about the church, the city of Laodicea, and to the verse 14, (coughs) Revelation chapter 3, excuse me. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's Creation, So he knows what they're struggling with. And so here's what the Lord says. Here's who I am. I am the one who speaks. Now, don't skip past that. That's something that struck me this week. This is the words of the one. Here's here's the glorious thing about our Lord Jesus Christ is that he speaks to his people. He doesn't leave us guessing. He gives us a whole book of him speaking to his people. If you want to hear God speak, we have 66 books in which God speaks speaks to us. God's true word. So don't miss that. The faithful one, the true one, the beginning of God's creation, these are the words of him. He speaks to us. What grace that our Christ speaks to us. And who is this Christ? He describes himself in this way. He says he's the amen. The Bible tells us that he is the amen of all the promises of God all the yeah, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ so Jesus is telling them that I am the one that is the great yes to the world yes there is life yes there is eternal life yes there's forgiveness yes there's hope yes there's restoration yes there's healing yes there's covering for your shame yes there is refined Gold, yes, I am everything you need, and all the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ, not in the things of the world. That's not where you will find your satisfaction. That's not where you will find the promises of God fulfilled, but you will find them fulfilled in me. Get your eyes on the great I am. So, the words of the I am, I mean, the amen. I'm saying the I am. Did I say that the whole time? I meant amen. So scratch what I just said, edit it in your mind, and express I am for amen. He's the great amen. You're following with me, right? Now that I know you're paying attention, I'm paying attention as well to what I'm saying. The faithful and true witness. Not only is he the amen, he's the faithful and true. He is the one who is the standard. He is the one who's faithful to us, and he's the one who is true. He is the one that we compare ourselves to, not the world. And so if you think you can compare yourself to the wealth of your city or the prospering of your city or those around you, or even spiritually compare yourself to people around you, watch out for comparison. He is the standard. And he is a high standard. He is the true standard. He is the amen. He goes on to say that he is the beginning of God's creation. Now this might throw you for a loop a little bit, because this almost sounds that Jesus is created. It says he is the beginning of God's creation. So what does this mean? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean first. There was just a survey that came out. You can go look at it. It is depressing a little bit. Every two years, an organization called Ligonier, along with Lifeway, put out a survey called the State of Theology. You can Google that State of Theology 2022 and you can find the results. Surveyors ask Christians, evangelical Christians, basic statements about the truth of theology, this truth of who our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is, and they answer those questions. And it's disturbing what evangelical Christians confirm. Here was one of those questions that comes from a passage like this and that most recent State of Theology 2022, here was the statement, whether you disagree or don't disagree or somewhat agree with this statement, was this, quote, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Listen to this, 40% of evangelical Christians strongly agreed with that statement. 15% somewhat disagree, and only 24% totally disagree. That is rehashing something called an Arian heresy, where it's saying that Jesus was the first and greatest creation of God. In other words, it's saying there was a time when the second person of the Trinity, the Word, Jesus Christ in the flesh, was not. And that's not true. The Bible is clear about this, that Jesus, being the beginning of creation, is not suggesting that Jesus was created. There was never a time when the Son was not. The second person of the Trinity is Eternal. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1. The Bible is clear about that. So what is he saying? The beginning of creation is saying that Jesus is the source of creation. Remember I told you that Laodicea shared the valley with the Colossians. And here's what Paul writes to the Colossians. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. Not saying that he was created, but that he is preeminent in creation. Not that he was the greatest being created by God, but he is is God. For by him all things were created. In heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things were hold together. And so what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, not only is he the amen, the faithful and true, but he is the source of all things. He's the true source of everything in this world. The faithful and feeble Christians, he's saying, I, the creator, the provider, the sustainer of all things, am reliable, faithful, dependable, and everything you ever hoped for Here's, let's see what the church is struggling with. That's the Christ, but the church is struggling with that they are the source of all things. They are the sustainer of all things. We need nothing, for we are rich, we are prosperous, and we need nothing. So let's take a look at the church in verse 15. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So in a word, this self-assured church is lukewarm. And the Lord says, I know your works, and I know... That you are lukewarm. I, I told you a second ago the, the image that would come to their mind. They knew what this meant. The water coming from Heropolis that was warm would turn lukewarm, and the water that was com- the cold water from Colossae, would turn lukewarm. It was neither refreshingly cold nor soothingly hot, it was nothing but tepid water. And perhaps seeing wealth, security, and comfort as a sign of God's favor, the church took took its cues from its own city in which it was to shine as a light, and it was lukewarm. They were in the world and of the world. It was not that they were in the world and not of the world. And remember, this hotness does not deal with emotion or enthusiasm, but deals with true self-evaluation of of who we are. Did you hear their self-evaluation? So this lukewarm church, and you understand what's going on here, do you hear their self-evaluation? Verse 17, let's hear it again. For you say, I am rich. Here's how they see themselves. I am rich, I am prosperous, and I need nothing. In a word, we could say that this church in Laodicea is self-deceived. They are saying, what they are saying looks a lot like the city in which they are are living, and the the Lord is exposing them. That's a good thing when the Lord exposes us. Because in that comes healing, in that comes true evaluation of our true hearts and and where we are. The Lord is exposing them. Here's the truth. The, The Lord knows what we really think about ourselves. Imagine this. The Lord knows better about what we think about ourselves than what we really think about ourselves. In other words, the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves, if that makes sense. He knows what we are truly thinking about ourselves. He is not mocked, he is not fooled. So perhaps they weren't even thinking this at this time. Perhaps they had become so ingrained in their city in the wealth and the prosperity and the needing of nothingness of their city that perhaps they didn't even realize how much they were looking like the city. That's that's what I'm beginning to think as I'm I'm reading through this passage this week. And so I take great comfort knowing that even if we don't outright say it, here's what I'm getting at. Even if we don't outright say this, the Lord knows what we think even before we say it. And so the Lord's exposing us. Maybe there's something like that in your own heart this morning that's, you think you've arrived, whether it's physical prosperity or, or spiritual strength or whatever else, and, and and you've lost that dependence upon the Lord, then the Lord would say that you were lukewarm. You were neither hot nor cold. They were self-assured, and they had deceived themselves. So that's their self-evaluation, and then the Lord gives them a, a true evaluation. Look at the second part of verse 17. They think I am rich, I'm prosperous, and I need nothing. But hear what else the Lord says about this church. Not realizing, because they haven't even realized it yet. And here's what we need to realize if we're going to be hot and not cold or lukewarm. If we're going to be on fire, here's what we need to realize. You are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. That is the true evaluation of where they are. They are wretched. They are miserable. They're pitiable. They are most to be pitied. They would not describe themselves at that way. That way, But the Lord is saying, that's the true evaluation of what's going on in you, As you look like your city, as you take your cues from your city and look like that. And do you notice those other three descriptors that the Lord gives? And perhaps you've put this together already. You're smart people. Because you've heard about this city, their, their wealth, their eye salve, and their black wool clothing, textile that they were so famous for. Do you see how the Lord describes them, not only wretched but pitiable, but look at these last three. They are poor, they are blind, and they are naked. These last three relate directly to the successful culture of that city. So despite its financial wealth, the church is poor. Despite its medical school, famous for eye salve, the church is blind, and in the face of a flourishing textile industry, they stand naked and ashamed. So Jesus does not pluck these descriptors out of the air. He was guiding the believers to see that their trust in the world's success was costing them everything. Let me say that again. He is getting this church in Laodicea to see that their trust in the world's success was costing them everything. And they had become lukewarm, not realizing their real condition. The, c- condition the, the church in Smyrna was poor, but the Lord says, yet you are rich. This church in Laodicea is rich, yet they are poor. A hot church then, I believe, is a, is a helpless church. A church that knows its true condition is a Christian that knows its his or her true reliance on the wealth and the healing and the clothing of the Amen, the faithful, the true, the source of all things. Second Corinthians 8 9 says, For our sake he became poor so that in him we might become rich. Lukewarm Christians forget where their true richness comes from. Lukewarm Christians are neither healing nor like the warm water nor refreshing. They are lukewarm. Are you a healing or refreshing person or are you just lukewarm and tepid? Here's here's the warning for this church. Look in verse 16. We've said it a second ago. I will spit you out of my mouth. That's the warning. Here's the good news and grace in this hard image to have this nauseating image he hasn't spit him out yet he will that's the warning but he hasn't yet there's time to repent i will spit you out but i haven't yet oh the grace lukewarm christian this morning or lukewarm person who's neither hot nor cold never come to saving faith in jesus christ there's still time to turn there's still time to turn. Oh, the grace of our God. The hard words of our God, but the grace of our God. Here's the solution from this warning. Verse 18. He gets, he doesn't stop and say, I'll spit you out. Good luck figuring it out. Here, here's, here's the way forward. Oh, his word's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Here's the path forward. Verse 18. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. You've heard those things from that city. So, so he takes the poor and the blind and the clothing and brings them back out to them to describe this to the city. So the Lord is saying, what's the way forward? Listen to my counsel. Listen to his counsel. Listen to his word. And what is his counsel to buy for me? What you truly need is not the riches of this world. You need the riches of Christ, refined, pure gold with no impurities. What you truly need is not that black, beautiful wool that you put out. You need the clothing of Christ, not that can cover your body, but that can cover your shame and cover your sin. Jesus Christ is saying, I will provide that white garment for you, that pure garment from you. That's what you need. You truly need healing. And it won't come through eye salve or things from this world. There's all sorts of ways here in this world we look for healing to try to heal our brokenness and, and heal our blindness. But the Lord Jesus Christ says there's no way but him to be healed. He will be the eye salve that you need to open your eyes so that you might behold Christ and be healed. They need to heed the counsel of Christ and only he will make their path straight so that they might burn with passion for him. How do we buy this? without money, it's without cost. The prophet Isaiah says this, Come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Admit your nothingness and that you have nothing. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price Don't spend your money for things of this world, things that don't satisfy. Listen diligently, heed my counsel, eat what is good, delight yourselves in rich food, incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live. If you want true life, he's saying, listen to my counsel and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. The true richness, the true clothing, the true healing that we need. Heed the counsel of Christ is the solution. And there's something else that we see here. Embrace his reproof and discipline. The Lord is disciplining them. and Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 says, the Lord disciplines those he loves. And parents, you may know this. One of the hardest things to do is discipline your kids, but you discipline those he loves. He reproves us. He, the word is mean he exposes us. And the Lord Jesus Christ disciplines us. So listen to his counsel Embrace his discipline. Say, Lord, call me out. Show me if there's any hidden fault in me, any hidden way. And in doing this and listening to his counsel and embracing his discipline, know this, you can embrace discipline because the Lord disciplines who? Those he loves. Verse 19 tells us this. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So the Lord loves you. Be zealous and repent. Listen to his counsel. Embrace his reproof and discipline, knowing he loves you. So therefore, be zealous. What to be zealous about is repentance. Asking the Lord to expose you. Lord, you evaluate me. You evaluate my heart. You know my heart better than I know my own heart. So Lord, you evaluate my heart. Help me to see and help me to turn to Christ. And to enjoy fellowship with him. And that's the promise. This is what it means to not be lukewarm. It might not come in emotion or a certain feeling. But it will come in the sweet intimacy of fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the promise. So the way forward, listen to his counsel, receive his discipline, Knowing that when you do, you know that he loves you. Be zealous and repent. Here's the promise as we start drawing to the end. Verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him. I love how older translations put it like this. I will come and and sup with him. There's just something intimate about that. I don't know. That'll come and have supper with you. And he with me. Notice the promise how the Lord takes the initiative. He stands at the door. He seeks us out. He knocks on the door. And He speaks. He calls us. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, Lord, I desire intimacy. I desire to to stop being self-assured. I desire to have the gold, the true riches that you provide. God, I need your clothing to cover my shame, not the clothing of this world. I need your clothing to cover my shame. I need you to open my eyes. Lord, I need you. And behold, we hear his voice and See that he's been calling us all along and he's opened our ears to hear his voice. And he promises, I will come into him and eat with him. And he with me. We will enjoy fellowship with the Father. We will enjoy fellowship with Jesus Christ. And what's more, the one who conquers... I will grant him to sit with me on the throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. We will enjoy intimacy as we rely upon him. As we confess that apart from him we have nothing, that he is the source, he is everything, he is all the promises, God, are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And if we have Christ, we have everything, riches, I heed not. Medical healing, I, 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 that's, that's not going to ultimately satisfy me. Maybe things we desire, it's not things of this world. It's not clothing. It's none of these things. If I have Christ, I have everything. And if I have him, I will be seated with him. I will conquer with him. I will have every spiritual blessing the Bible promises in the heavenly places. He will lavish that upon us. And if we have that, we have everything. Neither hot nor cold this church is lukewarm. And so in a word, the solution is never lose sight of your dependence upon Christ. If we could sum up this passage in one word, it would be dependence. Never forget your dependence upon Christ. No matter how long you've been in church, no matter how wealthy you are, or maybe you're not wealthy and you think if you had more wealth, then you'd be satisfied, or You don't have the nice clothes, and if you think you had those, then you'd be, whatever. No, if you have Christ, you have everything. You have fellowship with the one who loves you, who gave his life for you, who clothes you, who gives you riches of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. So let's close out at least these seven churches by this one final thought. To sum up all seven of these churches, we've seen at least three things that all of these churches, in one way or the other, struggled with. Some of these churches faced persecution of the world they were living in, and the Lord sought to comfort them, to not succumb to the persecution, but to remain faithful. Often through these letters to these churches, we saw that these churches struggled with political pulse. Will they bow down to Caesar and look to Caesar for their ultimate satisfaction, like the cities in which they were living were looking for Caesar to satisfy them. Will they bow down to him or will they bow down to Christ? So some face persecution, even like we face today, some face political pulls like we face today. Some face the flesh, much like this church in Laodicea. Will you become like the city you live in, looking for wealth and healing and prosperity and all these things to satisfy you? Or will you be like Moses where it says that instead of enjoying all the fleeting pleasures of the world, he set his eyes on the eternal kingdom? So he who has ears, let him hear. May this church here this morning, if we face persecution, if we face political pulls, if we face the flesh and all of these things, will we be more than conquerors through him who loves us and has called us according to his purpose. So church, let's be the light of the world. That's what we're called to be. And may our lampstand shine brightly in this community. As like the church of Laodicea, we say, Lord, If we don't have you, we have nothing. But if we have Christ, we have everything. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer.